the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. So I was listening to the Netflix call last night, probably while you were having dinner. I don't know. It was pretty fascinating because I learned something that I didn't think I was going to learn that executives are really, really paying attention to some of the minor details out there. And what I'm talking about is the conference call with Netflix quoted Fortnite. And like, whoa, Netflix says it says it's more scared of Fortnite and YouTube than Disney and HBO. What, what, what? <laughs> like, What? Fortnite is a bigger rival than HBO. We compete and lose to Fortnite more than HBO, said Netflix CEO. That's pretty powerful to me. Um, it's showing you what's, what people are doing with their spare time at this point in life. So is Netflix going to lose subscribers from the oncoming deluge of services that are going to hit Things like Disney or HBO or Amazon's or Costco is talking about getting into the video streaming business. Netflix estimates it's already earned about 10% of all U.S. television screen time. Okay, so we have 2 billion cable TV channels. 2 billion and 5, I think, was last count. And they say their only competition, they say that they're 10% on TVs at this point in time. Screen time? Screen time. We don't even call it TV anymore. What's your screen time rating? The company talked about Bird Box netting 80 million viewers in the first four weeks of Netflix. And there's a new one coming out called You that they say we'll get 40 million over the same period. Those are big numbers. It's that's entertainment. So if you see kids today under 16, they're pretty much so into Fortnite, YouTube. And maybe, maybe Netflix where they could watch old shows like The Walking Dead. So Netflix is saying, our focus isn't Disney. It's not Amazon. We're good. So um, CEO Reed Hastings said on the company's earnings interview that he likes Disney and is excited for the Disney Plus launch. Saying, that's good content. That's kind of interesting, right? But if you frame the conversation around YouTube and Fortnite, Netflix is basically saying... Uh, we're on entertainment devices. We're on devices. We'll be on devices that have yet to be invented. Netflix announced that they're going to be doing a show with Steve Carell and the producer of the original office called Space Force. And basically, it's going to be a show that kind of is a comedy that makes fun of Donald Trump wanting the Marines, the Air Force, the Army, the Navy, and he wants a Space Force. And so Steve Carell's going back into TV, kind of. Shows you the, the draw of Netflix. It used to be HBO had the draw. And they still do. Let's be honest. In 100 days when Game of Thrones starts, I'm going to be wearing an adult diaper. You know what I'm saying? 
oh, but they only release one episode at a time, and there's only six episodes. Okay. I'll definitely wear an adult diaper for that hour and a half episode. Uh, too much going on. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Um, wow. State of the Union coming up. That should be interesting. The president has hinted at an infrastructure spending bill, which how are you going to fund it? I don't know. We'll talk about that. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. Um, one of the areas that I'm always fascinated with is, you know, the United States government and how it interacts with Wall Street, Main Street, Wall Street. They kind of converge, right? The big three U.S. stock indices opened higher on reports the U.S. is debating lifting tariffs on China. And they're kind of playing with a March 2nd date. And they're trying to hasten more of a long-term deal. The furloughed government employees, I, I, the pain hasn't hit the loyal Trump supporters yet. But when the pain does hit, that furlough is going to be over. But it is starting to hurt the economy. And more, more people are starting to say, this is a problem. And uh, some billionaires are asking Trump to go back to New York. I love it when billionaires say things like that. Um, technology and healthcare companies would be the big winners if we l- make a deal with China. So Tesla laid off 10 per- not 10% of its workforce. They're down 10% on announcement of cutting 3,000-plus jobs. So we got that going on. Dow Jones Industrial Average, S&P 500, the NASDAQ, all kind of rising on that news of, you know, the stalemate may start to thaw between China and the United States. So we'll get what would be thought to be a partial market recovery phase. Uh, December 24th was an ugly day. You were probably off with your family, eggnogging it up. And uh, the market's kind of, they had a bad day and they've, they've recovered nicely. Now for the next leg, we got to maybe remove some question marks. The China issue, the Federal uh, Reserve interest rate hike March. When does it slow down? Um, these are considered headwinds to a market recovery, not tailwinds. So a lot of people see a global recession coming sooner than later. 2019, end of the year, or 2020. We can hasten it by not doing anything and continuing to keep our hands in our pockets when we're talking about the Chinese market and with the furloughed employees of the United States government. So global markets... Outside the United States, the big three, S&P 500, NASDAQ, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, global stock markets are very, very sensitive to China. So investors are starting to say in global markets, excluding the U.S., that they can no longer count on China to be a major engine of global growth because it's starting to slow. I don't know when the exact time frame was, but it seems you know, back when China was getting ready to host the Summer Olympics, they really wanted to show China as a world power. They spent a ton of money building up cities. They spent a ton of money on infrastructure. They spent a ton of money on getting their their lower income up so they could show the world how great they are. That too ends. It's like the tailwinds that are brought on by tax cuts, the tailwinds that are brought on by economic expansion become more and more difficult to expand without raising money through taxes or other ways, right? So, big loser today, PG&E. Oh, no. 
some days you're on top and the world loves you, and some days you're a doormat. Wipe your feet on PG&E today because they're the doormat, down 9.5%. Wow. What's interesting is one analyst, one analyst said before the market opened that he said the utility shouldn't file for bankruptcy, and the stock popped 18%. People want cheap stocks that are teetering on, on bankruptcy to pull out a miracle, a Hail Mary, if you will. And Pacific Gas and Electric said, you know, we're still going the bankruptcy route, even if that analyst doesn't want us to. How much is PG&E down this year, in the last 12 months? 85.6%. Remember me reading that email from a guy who worked at PG&E and put all of his money in that one basket? <laughs> Not good. Hopefully he wasn't in the throes of love with a fiance because she might reconsider. There ain't going to be a retirement for that guy. Or he's going to have to work a lot longer. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Conversations during the commercial breaks. There's a show in that, but I can't do it for you. Oh, my, my, my. My, my. my. <laughs> Captain, uh, there's no good rumors today. There's Viacom planning to purchase advertising support streaming service. Advertising supported. Okay, that's that's kind of a rumorish, but I don't know. Maybe people are a little distracted right now. So some of the other top stories of the day: Jack Bogle, he changed investing and he's dead. Um, and every time I saw him on CNBC, I'm like, oh man. Great grandpa's going to die soon, and he is the great grandfather of investing. He's made more Americans wealthy than probably any other American. It's the devil's invention called the index fund. Um, Wall Street has an amazing ability of extracting profits on every transaction, and it used to be egregiously bad until Jack Bogle came along and countered the product of Wall Street with his own invention. There's more than $13 trillion invested in index or passively run mutual funds. More than half of that is at Vanguard Group, BlackRock, and State Street alone. Originally, there was another name for the index fund. Um, it's a low-cost mutual fund, essentially, without the active management. So you own the top 100 stocks of the S&P 500. You, you own healthcare stocks. And there's no they don't read the news. You just own them. On occasion, a name could be uh, included or taken off. So when Bogle created the index fund, there was another name for it, Bogle's Folly. The fund was called Bogle's Folly because it was not a commercial success and wasn't for some period. There's a guy who wrote a book called A Random Walk Down Wall Street, which kind of popularized indexing. One of those books, I read a lot of books 20 years ago. I would read anything financial. And now I kind of skew away from that as it kind of taints your mind a little bit. But a random walk down Wall Street by Burton Malkiel, M-A-L-K-I-E-L, talked about indexing and how that's what the average person should do. And that's what the average person should do. I did a show, Stock Talk, on CNET Radio. And I could pick tech stocks better than anyone else on the planet. I was top 1% level. I was good. 
I was like, sweet milk chocolate. I know you're saying sweet milk chocolate. What the, What are you talking about? But then, I know, right? Thanks, thanks. So Vanguard launched its first index investment trust in August of 1976. Jack Bogle's dead. And they've added the Vanguard 500 index. And when you invest $100, you're basically investing $99.90 into the fund. Now, if you go out and buy $100 of Tesla, you're probably only going to get like $92 because the, the commissions and the fees, especially back in the day, right? But those can come out as companies as E-Trade have pushed trades down to zero. Robinhood, you could trade free on an app called Robinhood. Some blind person emailed me. And he starts the email by saying, sorry for all the, sorry for the all caps. And I'm like, well, this is going to be an interesting email. And he says, I'm blind. I'm like, fascinating. Um, so he would live through the Bird Box movie. I know. I know. Um, what's the point here? Bird Box, fees, blind. Oh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, no. Caught. Cost matters is what it comes down to. And by minimizing the cost and indexing, you're able to be the market. You don't have to beat the market, but you don't underperform the market. Markets go up seven out of 10 years. Who doesn't want it that? Oh, I don't want those three years. I want to be smarter than everyone else and get out. Well, it doesn't work that way. You can now buy ganja ETFs, right? I know you're saying you can buy a marijuana ETF. Oh, yeah. You can buy financial ETFs. You can buy overall market indexes. You can buy trends. Companies have come and gone trying to copy what he did. Um, it's a great idea. You're investing in capitalism when you invest with Bogle's index fund strategies at Vanguard. I like Vanguard. I like TD Ameritrade. I like Fidelity. Fidelity is kind of like the big – they're almost militant. They're so big. Um, and they don't like taking flack. But – Bogle built a great house on Wall Street with index funds, and hopefully you've you've benefited from it. Um, it's the number one best way for me to tell you how to make create wealth is start with something like a budget of two thousand dollars a year and cut that down to like six hundred sixty six bucks a month, and then you're buying in January and February and March and April, and it all averages in. You're buying into capitalism, and there's gonna be periods of time where capitalism doesn't work like it feels it should when you go into recession. But that's when you get to buy high-quality stuff at a discount. You know, it's it's the Marge Simpson. She comes home and goes, Homer, I got these $2,000 pair of shoes for 400 Or it was something like 12000 for 2000 What a great deal, Homer. And I know you're saying, that's the worst Marge Simpson impression ever. Don't! Dreadful. Dreadful, as Simon Cowell likes telling me whenever I try to sing. Vanguard's attacking the advisor model now. That's where it's going to get more interesting. It's a hybrid human robo-advisory service called Vanguard Personal Advisor Services. It charges one-third of 1%, and it's gathering assets fast. And instead of just indexing, you can now actually pick up the phone and call someone. Um, he wasn't a rubber stamp kind of guy. And every time he came on CNBC, I, I, I kind of was like, please don't let him go anytime soon. Like, he helped so many people. And then you see people like Warren Buffett just not idolize him, but praise him when he passes. You know what they're going to say when I die? They're going to say something like, pass the catch up. I'm like, what? What? You need to put ketchup on me? I'm dead. 
But Jack Payton dies, and he's like a legend and a hero and all good things. He was brilliant. And uh, a lot of Americans are going to retire because of him. So he would be one of those people that if they sell baseball cards, I would have a baseball card of Jack Bogle, Warren Buffett. Um, there's so many you know, great names out there. Uh, Vockel. Um, there's so many good ones out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Big seminar coming up Thursday, January 24th. It's going to be in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. You can sign up for the event by using the code RADIO25. It's RADIO25. Go to www.robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big event coming up January 24th. Wow, that's right around the corner. Um, Thursday evening, 630 to 830. It's going to be a seminar on wealth, preservation, income and retirement. Income and retirement is a big one got a couple mortgages right now. Oh, and you can sign up at Rob Black Show, robblackshow.com. And use the code radio 25. I've got more than a couple mortgages right now that are still going to be active when I retire. When I stop earning income, what am I going to do? I'll think about that when I get there. Joining me now to talk a little bit about mortgages is my mortgage guy. He's someone I will consult with in the future. He's someone I've consulted with with every single mortgage I've done in the last 20 plus years. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoansSource.com. He'll also be at the seminar Thursday, January 24th. Tony, new products in the market, um, trying to get people to buy homes or buy apartments or buy condos, trying to get refinancers, trying to get action, so to speak. What are some of the new products that we should be looking at at this point in time? Well, products drive the market. That's one of the sayings we have in the industry. Um, okay. And then we have rates, and now we have a combination of both, uh, and, as well as guidelines loosening. So we have a really good combination of those three um, elements of, of your refinance or financing transactions, great rates, good products, and looser guidelines. Um, the products that we're really seeing hitting the market are, are kind of geared towards, you know, I, I want to say alternate type of clients. The A-paper's always been there, you know, the Fannie Mae's, the Freddie Mac's, and then your government products. And and you're looking at what they call non-qualified mortgages. Um, out of Dodd-Frank, you had something called qualified mortgages, and you, you set some guidelines on debt ratios and loan limits and things like that. Um, now that these alternate lenders are coming out saying, we really want some business, we're expanding our 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 horizons here and trying to get some more people by offering things like they're bringing back the interest-only loans, um, including the 40-year the interest-only loan where it's fixed for 40 years, but the first 10 years is interest-only. A lot of people are, are saying, you know what, I'm going to forego the arm, and I want that interest-only, but I want that fixed kind of element with it. Um, and, that, and that really appeals to a lot of people who are in the, you know, the over $700,000 loans because that interest only really makes a big difference as you start getting up over that million-dollar mark. And you're talking at three, four, five hundred $500 a month over a long period of time, um, and that can make sense. So they're, they're there to use. You also have bank statement loans. We used to have the um, self-employed kind of stated income product. Now we're going back to bank statement products where, I'm sorry, bank uh, statement loans where they can prove deposits as income as opposed to that net 
income that shows up on their tax return. So it's kind of like a gross income um, product for self-employed people. Investor programs are coming out where you can put um, where if the property is cash flowing one-to-one, meaning the debt on the property equals the rents on the property, you automatically qualify for it, um, you know, pending, you know, credit score and and, uh, equity positions. And renovation loans, a couple uh, construction lenders are coming out and saying, we want to join the renovation uh, era where people, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and FHA have these renovation loans that allow to use the future value of the property. Construction loans are now doing that, and some of them are very attractive. In, in fact, they have some interest-only periods during the construction times. Um, so you're starting to see how the, the picture here where lenders are really opening up their doors to try to get some more business. It's interesting because you just brought up four products or five products, one of them being the 40-year interest-only loan. I get it. <laughs> you know, I, I get what they're trying to go for, for sure. Well, let's say you want to own a property for four or five years, and you don't like that oh, arm yeah. aspect to it. Okay. You say, you know what? We're just going to try to minimize our debt during that period of time. You go with the interest-only loan. Okay. And bank statement loan seems like a you know it's it's not a bad product. It seems a little fringe to me. But the investor one-to-one programs that's kind of shocking to me. It seems like they really are trying to stimulate loan demand because if you get they one-for-one are. cash flowing, that's that's good, but it's not great. Is that fair to say? The rate's not great, but it's it gets you into the product. Um, I mean, really, what they're looking for, everybody ultimately wants to end up in that A paper product. A lot of these products, just take out the forty-year interest-only loan for a moment. There, these non-QM products are, are are temporary for most people, and they're transitional, so that you end up in that A paper. So you always want to have an exit strategy. And this is, I'm going to wrap in private money loans as well. You want an exit strategy to get into the A paper loan eventually. Okay. What's what's further interesting to talk about? I, I saw a story, a research piece, a couple days ago that's talked about mortgage loans and how the mortgage lenders really only qualify. And this isn't completely true, but really only qualify by credit score. And they should be starting to think about like what happens if a flood hits, like all those homes in Carolina or Houston um, that kind of got wrecked, so to speak, by the uh, assumptions that they were not in a flood zone and people walked away from homes. Uh, does any of this new product strike you as not well thought out, or is it it's it's not bad product? Um, that's a good question because on on occasion we'll, we'll be like, how are they doing this? Why are they going up to fifty percent debt ratio? I mean, even FHA sometimes blows my mind because. Um, you can be right out of a bankruptcy, and you can have a 580 credit score, and they'll allow you to go to 55% debt ratios, even higher than the non-qualified mortgages. So every once in a while, a loan product will doesn't make sense, but um, you know, it, it's it's all about how that product has been selling. Uh, what is their their dropout ratio? You know, in the car business, many 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 years ago, they said, okay, we'll we'll keep going as long as there's a four percent dropout or less. And as long as these these mortgage-backed securities keep selling, these products keep selling on the secondary market, you're going to continue seeing them push the limits until they start breaking those barriers, and then they're going to pull back. So um, it's not like the starter teaser loans that we had and liar loans that we had and negams. They they really pushed the boundaries from the beginning, but I, I feel pretty comfortable about what we're seeing, and it stimulates the market as well. And so there is a need for products like this, but I, I don't feel 
I don't feel any hesitation using any of these products if it's the right fit for the client. Okay. And like the construction line, I find, I, I talk to you basically every day about mortgages and some of the, the loans are easier to get through and some of them are more difficult to get through. So there's a loan out there for everyone. And now is a good time while well, rates have recently re- re- recessed or receded. I don't know what quite term I want to use at that point in time. But um, there's a lot of product out there. There's product a combination for- of, of the three elements that people really that, that can stimulate the market. Yes. Now, cash out loans. I've always I like selling my home, taking some money out and buying another property, or taking some money out and paying for kids' college, or taking some money out and I don't mind cash out loans. But some people are a little freaked out by them. What do we need to know about cash out loans right now? Well, you need to. You don't want to get yourself into a cycle. I, I still see it, unfortunately, where people can. I go, well, hey, how much did you buy your house for? And they go, oh, five hundred thousand dollars. And I'm looking at how much they owe, and it's like six hundred. I'm like, oh, how'd you get there? Um, it's because people get in that cycle of, oh, and they're paying out, and they're taking out cash to pay off some more debt. So people get in a cycle of taking cash out. That's a bad cycle. Um, you know, I, I have a younger brother that likes to hit the casino, and I tell him every time he goes up, go buy something, right? Go buy something of value that you can't sell, and you can realize some of the gains. And that's what I hope most people are doing with the, um, you know, the cash out. Now, I do like the whole idea of taking out cash to pay off high credit card debt or high interest debt, um, and then, you know, working on a monthly basis to lower those payments. That's the you know great use of it. Um, pulling out an equity line so that you have emergency funds, um, or say, deciding that you want to take out a thirty-year fixed and cash out, and lock that uh, that that rate for a long period of time because you know you're going to be there and you're managing your debt as opposed to just you know wasting it. Um, unfortunately, we still see it. Um, but you know, cash out loans really do have a purpose. There's a lot of equity out there. There's an abundance of equity. We've hit, I think, $15 trillion of equity here in the United States right now. There's no um, surprise at all that we're seeing this much cash out transactions, especially in the higher end, because, the, the, again, these types of products I was telling you about are allowing higher uh, debt ratios and higher loan to values for cash out. And people are taking advantage of this and going out and buying more real estate. Sounds interesting. Anything else that we need to know, Mr. Mendez? People could find you at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Anything else in the mortgage world that you want to chat up? we got about a minute. Uh, this is tax time, everybody. Anybody who, and everybody who has some sort of write-offs on their taxes, take a look at it. If you think you're going to do a transaction the next couple of years, it's the time of the year we always talk about that. Seminar is the perfect place to, uh, to do that. Sounds good. People could find you at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. The seminar is coming up January 24th, Thursday, 630 to 830. Uh, CFP Chad Burton will be talking about income and retirement. My big question is how am I going to pay my mortgages in retirement if I don't have the income? So I'm working to get that income up in retirement. Good event for sure. People can sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. It's Rob Black Show. Um, use code radio 25. If you've never been to an event before, it's a good event. If you've been to two or three events, you probably don't need to go. Anyhow, a lot going on. Netflix analysts are going gaga, not lady gaga, not goo goo, not radio goo goo, radio gaga. 
Um, but they're going gaga. They're raising t- price targets on Netflix after they beat earnings expectations. Uh, even though the stock's down a little bit lower, you're seeing one analyst push it up to 450, one pushing it from 400 to 415. Continue strong subscriber growth. The slate of content that Netflix has coming out is scary. Good time to cut the cable cord. Good time to save a little bit of money. Anyhow, and anyway, I digress. It's good to hear from you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Don't be shy. I'm Rob Black. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Thanks for listening to the show. The span you're listening to, I'm going to go see in about three weeks. In a private show. How cool is that? Sweet. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> Not. I'm very uh, important. I'm very, very important. Man, that first Ron Burgundy anchorman was so, so funny. I'm kind of a big deal. The second one, not so much. Um, Will Ferrell kind of, he misses a lot, doesn't he? I think I was being held prisoner at some point in time, and I was forced to watch the Land of the Lost reboot movie with Will Ferrell, and it was torture. It was torture. No. You win some, you lose some. And for anyone who's ever been held prisoner, I apologize. I'm in a glass case of emotion. When your seven or eight-year-old kid does that to you and screams, I'm in a glass cage of emotion, it's pretty darn funny. There's not a person in this room who hasn't done that. Elon Musk, changing topics, says he's firing more than 3,000 Tesla staff because of pressure on profits and Model 3 production challenges. Um... That's a bit of bad news. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Do that 2,992 more times, and you'll be about right. Now, okay, now, here's some thoughts on this. As the world turns, not too long ago, Tesla was the most valuable U.S. car company in the nation, beating out Ford and General Motors. General Motors is going to get that back. Tesla's down 10% today, down 33 bucks. Um, the go-go crazy is turning into the hyper is turning into more routine. I don't want to get too much into it, but I think that's, that's a fair statement. Um, Tesla, 3000 people. If you know anyone in the Bay area who has a job, they typically, if they have real estate, they typically have one or two jobs to support that real estate. So that's some bad news for the real estate market. If we're not creating 3000 more jobs elsewhere. Whether it be Facebook or Google, that that household formation is kind of a big one, and when you lose jobs, it's it's it's, it's tough. So I'm not calling for a real estate crash, but you start paying attention to some of the stuff. Like um, Apple said, they're going to slow their hiring because of the slowdown in uh, phones, slowing their hiring. Right? Okay, that's that ties into everything financial. Right? You want to go out and get a big fat steak this weekend? What happens if you don't have a job? Or what happens if you fear you're one of those people on the fringe? Or your boss at Google didn't like you, so you're going to work at Facebook only to find out that they're hiring in Minnesota. Yeah. So that's out there. President Trump in the news, talking about the State of the Union. He's meeting with cabinet officials to revive infrastructure push. He wants to spend more money to fix our roads. Now, we got four days in a row of uh, some sort of atmospheric river rainstorm in the Bay Area. And I'll tell you what, the 101, whew, 
it got some potholes fast. And one of the best things we could ever do is fix our bridges and fix our roads. It, It makes commerce smoother. It cuts down the waste on how long you have to wait to get home and how much gasoline you burn idling in traffic. It's really, really a good investment. Unless you happen to be the United States who is accruing debt really aggressively. So President Trump is reviving efforts to do a significant infrastructure plan that could last up to 13 years. To be part of his State of the Union address scheduled for later this month. Oh, the State of the Union. Do you remember being a kid and the State of the Union address would come on? And you'd be like, that Ronald Reagan's ruining Cosby's on tonight. He's, he's interrupting Cosby. Cosby's going to be replayed at 11 o'clock now. And I can't stay up to 11 o'clock. It was dire. But the good news is now we've got millions and millions of cable channels. I think we have actually 2 billion and 5 cable channels. So you can always just change the channel. Unless you win for a skinny bundle. I know, a skinny bundle, right? How about skinny cows? Have you ever had that skinny cow ice cream treat? It is a treat, and you don't feel that bad eating it. So anyway, um, 13-year program. I, you know, in 1956, there was a 13-year program. 1956. What was happening then? Congress authorized a $25 billion budget for years 1957 through 1969. So that made our highway funding program like kick in a lot of people would like to see any sort of uh, infrastructure improvement funded by like gasoline taxes in the end i i like infrastructure projects and they do stimulate the economy they put people to work um put shovels to the ground or boots on the ground or i don't even know what they do but they do something right something with clothing anyhow state street uh regional banks and on the conference call that it expects to reduce expenses two percentage points that's a lot from the fourth quarter 2018 to 2019. Now, when a bank is telling you there, you know, hey, we just reported earnings and we're going to cut costs. That's okay, but you can only cut so much, right? It's it's kind of like your body. Uh, you can cut your calorie intake for only so much, and then you die. Senator Elizabeth Warren wants Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin to explain December 23rd call to banks where they said they have ample liquidity. Man, that Elizabeth Warren, she's a pit bull. I know you're saying, don't describe women as pit bulls. It's sexist. I'm not trying to say that. She's tenacious. America elected Donald Trump. And yeah, the Russians helped. (laughs) That's a good job. Uh, She's also telling Congress, we need to get Wells Fargo, because I've read through their, their consumer protections. We need to get them off college campuses. I'm not against that. Can Accord Genuity reiterated their buy on Apple with a $190 price target ahead of earnings on January 29th. That's going to be an interesting conference call. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube a Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.